Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Oh my god, it's here. Super Bowl Sunday. The day we've been waiting for. I am excited though. I really am. I love, absolutely love uh, Super Bowl Sunday. I love, uh, I'm going to miss football. (laughs) That's the one thing I was thinking about. I was going to say I love football. I'm going to be like so empty without football now. What am I going to do on Sunday? Spend time with my family? Come on. (laughs) Really, really quick intro this week because I had to kind of like sneak off into my office. Uh, It's late night Saturday night right now. Everybody's in bed. And uh, here I am quickly uploading the podcast, but I realized I didn't have an intro. So I thought I'd pop on for a minute or two real quick, tell you what you're about to hear and give you an official Super Bowl prediction. I like the Buccaneers, 30 to 27. That is my prediction. Uh, yeah, Dan Western came over. He was the one of the founders of Lost Borough Brewing. He was the brewmaster there. Uh, they sold that business. Now he's kind of enjoying retirement, doing some odds and ends. You'll hear him talk about it. We'll talk a little inside industry work here. And uh, you'll get to hear all about my boy, one of the best dudes in Rochester, Dan Western, on the podcast. Dan Western, it's you, you've been on with me like uh, a couple times, but never on the podcast. Never on the podcast. Yeah. Well, uh, you brought some beer. I did. Thank it. You you want to get started? What yeah. do you want to? Because I don't want to let any more time go by without drinking a beer. So let's go with this. Uh, well, as Cuomo says, since we have a, we're gonna have a beer in our hand, we can take our mask. Yeah, off. I can take my mask off now. I forgot what your face looked like, uh, buddy. I know. Wow, That's the beard. Weird. You got the beard going got on. Got it going. So we're yeah. gonna start with this. Uh, it's called Moon of Faith. Okay. It's from Strange Bird. Um, their new brewery on well, Marshall I wa- Street. I want to talk all about this joint because this is a new. Because anyone who doesn't know, and this is one thing I love about podcasting, Dan, that wasn't the case on the radio, is uh, people know before they click on this who you are and what's going on. You don't have to worry about familiarizing the audience quite as much, right? Because they saw your name, they clicked on the episode, they may have even read the description of the episode. Cheers. Cheers. And in on radio, it was all about like, oh, you have to reset. You have to tell the audience who they're talking to. You have to blah, 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 blah. Now, also, we can fucking curse, bro. <laughs> that's always a good thing because that's <laughs> regular for me. All right. Before we get into Strange Bird, let me, uh, let me talk to you about my embarrassment. You are here right now. You're at my home. Yep. And you came here to fix a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I am insanely embarrassed at how vulnerable I am in that I don't know how to do anything that a man is supposed to know how to do inside of a house. How embarrassed should I be? Not at all, because you're doing other things that men and women can do. This isn't just a man thing. This is a man and woman thing. No, I get that. I get that. <laughs> but like, you know, in my case, I'm, I'm gonna have, my wife, she doesn't know how to do anything, right? So she looks to me, and I don't know how to do anything either. So I look to you. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's why you call me and I come over and I take care of things. I guess so. I guess so. Oh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. I want to talk about Lost Borough yeah. and selling Lost Borough and how one sells a brewery. That's a pain. Uh, I want to talk about Strange Bird because this is a brewery that you're kind of, to what extent are you involved in this uh, place? I'm, I'm more of just the building side of things. Okay. Um, building some, some stuff, but we can dig into that. So you were, you, just to get into your past, because we, you and I have spent time, I think we spent a whole hour once doing your whole history. Oh yeah. But let's recap the history for anyone who doesn't remember or didn't hear. Sure. Uh, you, you were a teacher. Yeah, I taught for seven years. You're from Syracuse. We'll start off yeah, with that. Yeah, I built houses out there for a bunch of years. You come over to Rochester for the job, was it? Yeah, uh, job and my ex-wife. Yeah, and uh, w- what did you teach and where? Uh, I was a technology education teacher, uh, so basically shop class, and I taught out in Wayne Finger Lakes Boses in Williamson, so I was working with emotionally disturbed kids, which was a challenge, Dude. but it was kind of cool to like see their brains pop when what, something worked. What kind of stuff like did you deal with, with emotionally disturbed kids? Um, a lot of at-home anger issues, okay. uh, a lot of kids that weren't fully functioning, they're pretty low IQs. How old are these kids? Uh, I taught from 8th grade up through 21 because of the age that they the wow. their disabilities allowed them to be in school until they're 21. And there were some anger? Did you ever get anyone try to like chest you up or anything? Oh yeah, that and hands really? on and we would have really? to do some restraints and I was in a shop class so when we had tools so there was hammers a- AKA weapons. Yeah. Potential <laughs> weapons. Yeah. There was hammers flying sometimes and Really? Yeah. Like the kid went through the classroom one time the shop one time it was two regular hammers just blasting holes in tables <laughs> you, 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 this i swear this will come back and make sense but one time i was at comedy at the carlson and uh market Bolito was he he was running around he was getting bottles off of tables and it was just in the middle of a set but he always he and and i remember afterwards for some reason it came up and i asked him i was like why are you like so worried about getting bottles off tables now i'm a former server and i remember you do want to clear tables yeah but i just noticed that like he was just on it he wanted bottles off tables something that can't be thrown yes <laughs> he told me that it was an actual safety thing he said before he was ever a an owner slash manager of a comedy club his first job really was like ticket sales and bouncer at a comedy club years and years and years ago and he told me that as a bouncer you're kind of trained to recognize weapons and those bottles are weapons absolutely and and you get rid of them immediately yeah so we had a big thing where like you know when you're done with a tool you put it away so stuff wasn't sitting around on tables yeah um that's scary shit though man yeah it kept kept me on my toes yeah was it six years seven years something like that but could you usually see it coming or were there times where it just erupted out of nowhere and you're like what is happening it was really 50 50 because like sometimes these kids just go and they snap and boom and there could be a conversation they're having with somebody else could be they had a bad day yeah having a bad night or whatever and i just boom yeah well so so you're doing that and i was gonna ask what what motivated you to leave but (laughs) well it wasn't really that actually it was it was more um it was more administration and the lack of support for the program so being that i was a boces we're funded we were funded by the different districts and if the funds weren't there to support the extracurricular help for these kids because I was a special area, well, I'd be cut. And uh, I was end up split. I was between two different schools. So I was in Williamson one day and I was way down in Rushville the other day, halfway yeah. down Canada Will Lake. Um, so what, you're eventually just like, this is bullshit, nobody cares cutting about it, it? cutting it, cutting it. And it was at the point where I was like, all right, well, my kid was a year old. My ex-wife was going to go back to work because she was home. And I was like, I'm going to take a year off. And I literally resigned from teaching like four days before school started. At that point, though, you didn't. Did you have a plan, or you were just going to take a year off? No, like you, I didn't have a plan. You, no plan. So well, no income. So you're saying no income. No for income. Now. I was doing yeah. you know construction remodel work. Um, yeah. So there was that income, but my, my focus was staying home with my kid. 
Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's when I was heavily into homebrewing. Yeah. So you're a stay-at-home father. You have a little kid. Yep. Wife goes back to work, and you start doing some homebrewing. Yeah, well, my kid was strapped to me, and we were homebrewing together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this beer is delicious, by the way. Which one is this? this I think is, uh, it's called Moon of Faith. It's a fruited IPA with apricot. Yeah, this is delicious. Who's yeah. their brewer? Uh, his name's Mika. He actually is formerly from Dogfish Head. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big name. Yeah, I got some chops coming Holy to town. Holy cow. No kidding, man. Yeah. And the only other Mika I know, the only thing I don't like about that name, do you know there was one famous Mika? Do you know where Mika was famous from? No. It was the boyfriend from Paranormal Activity oh. 1 that gets murdered at the end. <laughs> Mika! Uh, Mika! No, he's got run. some chops. You're going to taste it. He's, he's well, this is delicious. And this is like a, uh, it, it looks like orange juice. It does. The, yeah. I mean, I mean, that is a thick looking, nice looking quality beer. And these are his first offerings. Mm. It's not like he's been brewing a whole bunch on this system and these are like the first ones he put out these are his first brews that he put out we're gonna i mean we're gonna weave in and out i'm sure of talking about these guys especially towards the end as we get to sure. your your current life but uh so you start home brewing home brewing and and how hard is it when you're brand new at brewing i mean your first couple batches how long did it take you to get one that turned out that tasted where you went home oh, that's pretty good the, the first one was actually pretty good because it was uh. a kit i didn't have to I just follow the directions yeah like that, how, how can you screw up brownies yes but slim so you were telling me about this right people can buy kind of home brew kits yeah. where it's almost what you it's kind of how you just put it it's like a cake it's, bat it's, a cake you gotta have box. the right equipment which when you start out it's a pot to boil some war in you mix in the syrup which is a fermentable it's basically like sugar yeah. um produced from the wort or from the grain and you boil it you add your hops you ferment it with some yeast then you package it either bottle or a keg. But so the idea there is though that that's that's really not your beer. That's, Correct. That's someone else's flavor that you've just kind of made it at home. Yep. Yep. So what's the next step then to make your own recipe? What so do you have to do? That's what's called extract brewing, and then I went to all grain brewing where you derive your sugars from the grain, um, and you can buy kits for that. But I got kind of bored making other people's beer so i started really diving into um what the different flavors come from where they come from and i made started making my own in my own recipes and uh how do you learn how to that. do that is that a lot of just just trial and error is it drinking a, lot of beer. drinking a lot of beer <laughs> drink a lot of beer do you ever have to flush a batch oh yeah, yeah plenty yeah even on the commercial when i was when i had lost burrow there was Did stuff you? You, you have to yeah uh if it doesn't taste right that's what your whole business is built on <laughs> right Right, it's got to be perfect. When you're home brewing, it's one thing. You're like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll choke this down. But when you're trying yeah. to pay your bills, you, well, all right. Now that the joint's closed, you got your good, you got your home runs. Yeah, you got your ones that you flush. Yeah, you ever have anything that's really borderline, and you're like, ah, fuck it, we need the money. Yeah, and most of it's because of styles that I don't like. I'm not a big fan <laughs> of Belgians and and um and wheat beers, but I still made them, and it was hard for me to be like. This is really good. And mm. I'd have to get other people's opinions, yeah. which is fine. I should do that all the time anyways. And I did it with almost every beer I made. Um, but those, I was kind of questionable on them. But if, you know, seven out of 10 people are like, this is good. Oh, well, guess what? There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you and a couple buddies get together and you decide to start a brewery. Yeah. It was you and, and a guy who was one of your best friends, right? At yeah. The time. Dave Finger. Who Dave. We, we were like, we would hang out every week. Yeah. Um, we don't anymore just because the way the business took over, our time was just split. Now we got families. and It's tough, man. So. I, partnerships are really, really difficult. I, I know you're a fellow podcast listener. What type of podcast do you... Do you ever listen to entrepreneurship podcasts? I do, frequently. Yeah, me too. Um, the partnerships, it sounds like, they, you know, it can hurt friendships. It absolutely. Really can. Yeah. 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 And uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts also that are beer, beer based. They're talking about reviewing different beers, but like fun. You know, it's like right. us sitting here. Oh, what do you like about this? Oh, it's, you know, it's got good color. It's yeah. things like that. Yeah. So. 
Well, so you, uh, Dave's one of your best friends at the time. Uh, I know you had two other partners, right? Well, there was one guy who was a little bit more of just an investor. Is that right? Yeah, we had Carl and we had Trevor. Carl yeah. came in when uh, Dave and I were starting the business, uh, invested heavily, and um, took that leap of faith to follow these two kids that didn't know what the heck we were doing. So but. you're a brewer. He, Dave is a business guy. Yep. Uh, Carl comes through and says, these guys might know what they're doing. I'm going to give them a little money. Yeah. And then and then Trevor, I, it wasn't Trevor kind of like an employee or something? Or he, Trevor was an employee. He worked as a tasting room manager. He was good friends with Dave. Yeah. Um, and then through Sweat Equity, uh, he got some of the ownership of the business. And, uh, you know, he kind of brought the management of the front end. Yeah. Um, dealing with the with our employees and whatnot. Let me ask you, uh, and honestly, this is kind of advice. Um, the idea that somebody who really busts their ass for your business could eventually work themselves into owning a piece of the business. I love this concept. Yeah. I absolutely love this concept. And I am very willing to offer it to people. I mean, if I got somebody who's going to come in blood, sweat, and tears with me for a bunch of years, of course I'd give them a couple percents of my business. Sure. I would absolutely do that. But I've been noticing things i see things online i read a lot of articles even honestly just like twitter TikTok, whatever the hell i'm scrolling through where it talks about like toxic workplaces workplaces to avoid and one of the things that i've seen pop up a few times is avoid the workplace that tells you that eventually you could own some equity in that business and i'm like that sounds amazing to me what are you talking about i can i can see how it's both ways um i think maybe putting in that equity that sweat equity not knowing you're getting it is potentially kind of nicer yeah, uh, you know true. it's like oh wow like it's a reward that's true. um knowing that you have to work for it to it uh and you know you're gonna get it or you're not i don't know it's like that unknown like okay well now i have this employee that's gonna really bust his ass cool but is he doing it just to get that percentage when he gets it is he gonna disappear yeah. Is he going to just start slacking off and go right. back to his old routines? You know, that's like a contract year for an athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you're, like, yeah. you're like they're going to yeah. work hard, and then as soon as they get that new contract, they're going to stop trying yeah. to get injured. Yep. Uh, did you know I learned this? And and I'm not a lawyer, um, so some lawyer might hear this and go, "That's not always true, Polly." But I, I learned this: if you do a deal with somebody where it's like, okay, so you work for us for two years, and at the end of two years, you will vest at. Uh, 2% of our business. You'll own 2% of the business sure. after two years. Did you know that if that person quits after one year, that you actually have to give them the option to purchase the 1% no that, shit. that they, uh, that they, would, they have earned. would have earned? Yeah. So they don't get it for free because they didn't get to their two year. And that's that whole idea. They have you the option you to get buy. to two years and you get this too. But you have to offer them the option to purchase that one percent that they quote unquote earned you don't have to give it to them but you have to give them the option to purchase it wow do you know that i did not i just learned that myself that's why i have no employees for my business (laughs) (laughs) that's right that's right so so anyway so what was the brewery landscape like when you guys actually decided to go start a brewery oh there was uh genesee didn't even have the brew house open yet when we started rohrbach was around um they were you know heavily investing into the railroad street area um, they were in there full on. I mean, they were going for it. Um, Rock was open, I think, a couple years ahead of us. But that's it. So Fairport was open. Was it was it clear as day that breweries were about to blow up, or was it still pretty risky at that time? I think it was still pretty risky. Um, we were kind of on that forefront of, hey, we can start this brewery, and if we get it in the right spot, we're doing it at the right time. We got potential to, to roll nicely. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as soon as we opened up, 
uh, not f- uh, faulting anybody with any of this. Uh, Swiftwater opened up. Uh, Knucklehead opened up. It was boom, 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 um, boom, boom. It, is, right. it started, yeah. So yeah. Stoneyard was open prior to us also um, out in Brockport. But, you know, they started, they, a lot more started showing up. I hate when people say they popped up. It takes a long time for a brewery to open. Yeah, doesn't it take, uh, how long does it take to get a license? Isn't it like 18 it, months It took us, I, I think with ours, uh, we had some, some help um, pushing. So we got ours in all like nine months. Yeah, and, and that's fast, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's for so that's from filling out the application to actually okay, you can sell beer. Yeah, because you have to get a federal brewing license. Um, they call it a federal brewer's permit. I think I can't remember anymore. And then once you have that, then you that tells that lets you make beer legally, and then you have to use your liquor license, and the then state. you can sell it. Yeah, then you from the state, then you can sell yeah. it. And uh, and then don't you also have to get inspected after you have your licenses and you have your equipment? Don't you have to get that final inspection? So we get inspected by Ag and Markets, um, which too, is yeah. not the same as like Monroe County Health. Right. Um, I, I'm Ags and Markets yeah, at my joint. Yeah, because you're food. We're a food yeah. manufacturer facility, like you were. So we were, were you getting three or four times a year? We get just, one a year. Oh, one. Oh, I yeah. Get, and I get, I'll be honest, uh, it was like once every two years we didn't get it every year so walk me through um, the process of when the eggs and markets guy shows up because I, my guy shows up quarterly so they would come through and check cooler temps yeah. now my big walk-in cooler was only serving beer and i used to get into it with them because i kept that at like 39 degrees yeah, well, which is a no-no them. for food. Yeah, and they I want can get cool. away with. I get forty is well. They they don't like thirty nine because it's way too close to forty. Right, <laughs> and forty is a no-no. And forty is a good temperature for serving beer at because uh-huh, uh-huh. by the time it comes out, hits a glass, and gets served, it's like 41, 42 degrees, which is actually the a good temperature to serve beer at. So they're seeing your license, thinking your food. Right. Then they're seeing a fridge set at thirty nine, yes. and they're going, "This is too close to exactly." A problem. And you're going, "Dude, I'm not serving food. It's only beer in here. <laughs> it's just beer, <laughs> yeah. yeah." And then so you always had to go through that. Yeah, thing. and they okay, fine, whatever. And then we had another little fridge which had like our charcuterie meats and cheeses. Yeah. Um, so they would check the temperature on that. Then they check the water to see if it gets hot coming out of the faucet. Meanwhile, I have like two hundred and fifty gallons of one hundred and eighty degree water sitting. <laughs> right over there yeah. that we could use um and then they they check you know make sure the doors close properly that there's no mice droppings um doors closing properly is a thing man the, uh, yeah. automatic closures on certain door closures on Dude, certain doors bathrooms i have three yeah. i have three dings in my inspection history and one of them was because uh our bathroom door didn't close automatically exactly yeah we had it too so i had to yeah. just put a i put a spring-loaded hinge on it and let it shut yeah i hired someone to put a spring-loaded hinge because i because <laughs> i don't even know what that is that's all right our, i had a, the previous owner of the business came and did it in like three minutes yeah and i was like hey just why don't i learn how to do things nah, it's, you're doing other things <laughs> that's right and then they check like our mill where we put grain in dry and it crushes it so that we can use it later in the process and they're like how do you clean this i'm like with a vacuum cleaner because it's all dry yeah like you don't hose this down i'm like no those are steel rollers they're gonna rust and then i'm gonna have an issue well you need to come up with a different cleaning practice oh come on now 90% of the mills in town here, you can't see the rollers. You can't get to them. You don't, they don't get hosed out. They don't get cleaned out. You right. vacuum them. That's it. Did so. you have the same person every time? Um, well, seeing that it was only like three times. Yeah. Yes, it was the same person. Okay. Yeah. So. We have, we have the, at least my 
I've only had two actually at this point, but they were both the same guy. And uh, yeah, they want to know how you clean things. Yeah. So one other thing though, tell me if they do this. So everything you just said, they do with us, right? They walk around. They kind of they're looking at temperatures. They're looking at. They got the flashlight out, right? Yeah. They're oh, looking yeah. for cleanliness. Yeah. And there's always gonna be dust somewhere, so they're always gonna find dust oh, somewhere. Yeah. And that's usually not a huge deal. Like uh, I think I've gotten three total dings. One was the bathroom door didn't shut on its own. The second one was some dust on a fan. Okay. Oh, watch out for that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. You know, fans are a, yeah. a thing because they go – because at first I'm like, okay, I'll clean the dust off the fan. And he's like, well, no, that it's a fan. It will make dust airborne, yep. and then it gets into your sauce, yep. and now you got an issue. And I was like, that's actually a good point. Exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah, I yeah. like that, yeah. And then the third ding was – I remember what it was. It was, a, it was a, a similar to the fan thing. He stuck his flashlight into the mixer's – that go down into the kettle and mix the sauce yeah. as it goes. Yeah. He stuck his flashlight down in there and all the way down on like the motor, he saw dust on the motor. But because there was an opening in the back of the, the cover of the motor, yeah. that dust could in, in theory become in airborne. Yeah. yeah. So he so he had us disassemble that thing, clean off the motor, dust it basically, yeah. and then reassemble. Yeah, so, it's basically like some, some preventative maintenance type things because yeah. then somebody can go in there and... yeah lubricate and whatnot if they need to but so. those things are those things are extremely minor yeah. to what they can find and you're right they look for the droppings but here's the one last thing that they kind of look for that that is a that is t it's kind of scary they do your paperwork at all they go through your paperwork batch no. records and things no they never did no. that with us what kind of batch records did you have to keep we kept the so being that we're making beer we want to be able to make that recipe again I'd keep temperature, keep track of you know every grain we use, the weight we use. That's part of the recipe creation. Lot code tracking at all? Uh, I didn't do any lot code tracking. All right. um, at our scale, being that it's craft, it's okay if there's a little bit of flexibility in the flavor. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I, the, that's I, the romantic part of a small brewery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I didn't do a whole lot of lot, lot tracking. Um, but you know temperatures, like if I'm boiling it for an hour and five minutes versus an hour, there's actually gonna be a different flavor potential there. Yeah. Um, or when I put the hops in, so I had really time-stamped, detailed notes on when I was doing things. Yeah. So. Yeah, us, us too. So, one uh, thing about paperwork is, so he'll want to track an entire batch. He'll just take something we made in the last couple of weeks, and he'll say, "Let's track this. Yeah. Show me where all the ingredients came from. Show me where it went when it left." Sure. And uh, and that's usually a relatively easy drill as long as your paperwork's in in place. But yeah. they're they're looking for stuff. I mean, it's, oh yeah. I think it's good. I think it's it's good for people to know. That we're getting inspected and those things. Absolutely. So I've got eggs and markets uh, quarterly, so four times a year. I've got USDA every single day. They have basically an office in there, right? They, you have to give them a parking spot. You have to give them an office. You have to give That's them a filing insane. cabinet. insane. They come every single time that we're producing a meat product. They come. Oh, okay. So when I say every day, it's any day that we're doing meat products, which yeah. is for us is about once or twice a week. Gotcha. Uh, and then FDA is kind of uh, sporadic, and that's once every... Last one was 2017, so we haven't seen that. But the eggs and markets guy told me that he's the FDA guy. Oh. <laughs> so if he comes, it be him, and yeah, it'll just be thing. a different hat, and it'll be a pretty similar inspection. We used to have to register as an FDA with the FDA for production, but we never got inspected by him. I don't think that they are regular by any means on yeah. inspections. I think it's a kind of like getting audited for your taxes. I sure. think like... You know, you can find someone who's been inspected by the FDA, but it's not everybody. And when it happens, you're kind of like, oh, boy, how well, did I get the same inspector picked? anyways, like you were just saying. <laughs> same guy, yeah. <laughs> Looking yeah. for the same things. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. This beer's delicious. Here, I'm going mm -hmm. to uh, kill the rest of this. And I uh, accidentally drank a whole bunch of these last night, so this morning was a little rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, 
laid on the couch for a little it's bit. It's retirement, though. You're in retirement. <laughs> yeah, now. retirement. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hold on. What do you want to drink next? Uh, we're going to go to the, it's called Rainbow Sippa. Grab that side, would you? This is probably not good. I should. I also have to tell you something. This is a six percent kettle sour, with. Okay. Uh, what does that mean, kettle sour? A Hawaiian orange, or sorry, Hawaii. Wait, bleh, sorry, I can't even read. Um, passion orange and guava. Um, so delicious. kettle sour. So what they do is they they sour the wort in a kettle overnight, basically, or however long it takes to get the pH down. Um, and that just gives it more tartness. Um, okay. They're, they're kind of, some people consider them like a quick sour. Uh, instead of like putting wild fermentation together in a, you know, like an oak barrel or a wooden fooder. Um, so just a little, it, it's a little, it's a quicker process. This looks good. Poured a whole glass ahead for myself. So um, I don't know if I should make this public or not, but uh, you're talking to a man who's on his first day. Of being on blood pressure medication. Oh, keep drinking. <laughs> That's how I keep mine level. <laughs> it's not good, right? Am I supposed to be drinking on this? I didn't even ask the doctor. I don't know. Probably, you know, moderation like anything. Probably you are. Probably you're supposed to drink on this. I'm going to guess you are. Well, there's the be- the beard got you. The foam, the beard. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so you get the tartness on that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was delish. Yeah. yeah. I went to the doctor yesterday. Blood pressure, no good. That's called work. It's called owning your own business. Well, it's also called not the best diet combination yeah. of the two, really. Well, thanks to you, I've been making you know good meatballs because you gave me your meatball recipe and <laughs> make pizzas yeah. on my grill. Yeah. Well, you, you, dude, so. you're the man. You built your own smoker. Yeah, it's huge, and it looks like a commercial smoker. Your kid could probably stand in it, yeah, and not touch the top while it's off. Hopefully, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So uh, you guys get together, you start Lost Borough, yeah, and uh, and everything goes well for a little while, yeah, and, and but eventually you guys decide to sell it. What led to the decision to sell Lost Borough? So, four partners. Uh, after six years of business, we all are in different spots of our lives from yeah. where we started. Yeah. Um, some things you can work through, some things you can't. Um, I got divorced. My kid grew up, which is cool. Uh, um, not getting divorced is cool, but my kid growing up is cool. Um, that is a major shift for my attention. And it was hard for me to devote the time to the brewery that needed to be devoted to it. So you're saying at the beginning, when he's a baby, you can kind of be gone all day, every day. Yeah. But as he gets older, it's like, no, I'm, I got to go be a dad. Yeah, sometimes. I want to be in my kid's life. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dave uh, has two kids now, uh, so that's a huge shift for him. So he's doing the same thing. Yeah. Trevor got married, uh, and Carl's getting ready to, uh, to uh, retire. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're all in such... When we decided to to move along, we were all in such different spots. And I know people are probably like, oh, because you guys weren't selling enough beer or the business is going downhill. Or, you know, it, it really comes down to we were in different spots in our lives. And after six years of doing it and, you know, you see a lot of other breweries popping up. And I such said the thing I hate saying is popping up. But a lot of other breweries <laughs> coming to town. Um you know, the struggle kept getting harder and harder and harder. And I don't know if anybody pays attention to the, the poverty level in Rochester. But, you know, the dollar being spent on craft luxury products like craft beer is limited mm-hmm. um and now with covid going on i mean luckily we had the brewery uh in the process of being sold well before covid but um you know i'm, I'm kind of i feel bad i got a lot of guys that i'm you know real good friends with in the brewing world and i feel bad for them uh they're in a tough spot i'm kind of glad i'm out do you uh do you sell any of your recipes off yeah, that was part of the sale. So oh, Heroes Brewing bought our business and all of the recipes. Okay. Um, so they are all of theirs. Did now. you have to do that transition period where you had to stay for like three months and teach them how to do everything? So it was in contract that I had to give them a certain amount of time 
but they actually kind of took over and just rolled with it, and they would reach out every now and then if they have any questions. That's so, cool. I, yeah. So in my acquisition as well, I had a deal with the previous owner, had a 90-day he was supposed to kind of stay on. We figured it out in 30 days. You yeah. Know, like, it was, you definitely needed him there those first couple weeks, for sure. And then by week three and four, it was like, more of a he's kind of just giving advice at this point and then from week five on it was like how about if i just call you yeah if i've got questions so and then like, i do still sometimes even to this day call them with questions but. so i i figured out how the whole back end of uh lost Burrow goes together like all the equipment puts goes together and and you know firing up the kettles and building the glycol system and all that jazz and you know that was all me like i figured it out and yeah. uh i had to show the new guys like oh well this is how you transfer water from here to there and simple simple things like flows uh, but you know he picked right up on it so well he's just well, good then you had some smart people but i mean yeah, it's yeah. Just, so people underestimate the extent to which what you're talking about is you knew that every inch of oh that i room. could go in there right now and do it again exactly but so. people underestimate just how valuable that knowledge is yeah to know every inch it's that's worth the, something it, it's worth something that's the situation i was in where so i'm buying this guy's business and, you know, the business side kind of, I got that. I can figure that out. That's kind of what I can do. But as you know, as we joked about at the beginning, I don't know my shit. I don't know how to fix things. I don't know how things work. Sure. So that was where it was. And this was the guy who was like you, where he knew every inch of that place. Luckily, I got to retain his son. Yeah. Who he had taught a lot of it to. Well, so I mean, I, he built the whole place up, right? Yeah, so pretty he, much. He yeah. saw where things go so and how things change. And everything. Yeah. Now I knew how to the, fix stuff. Like, yes. Stuff in my place. Like, if the burner wasn't working right, I knew how, yeah. what to do to make it work right. Yeah. You know so. what thing to jiggle exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> or which fan to hit just right to make sure that you know, like the little the little things people don't think of is like okay or what guy did we call the last time that that exactly. happened like that little yeah. shit like that that nobody realized you don't even know who to call i did create a <laughs> list and they got like all of our contacts for who we were buying grain from who we were getting cleaning the supplies from um yeah. different chemicals for the brewery side who worked on our equipment yeah um because there's stuff that like refrigeration things I don't touch with a 10 foot pole so yeah was it smooth did it all go down pretty smooth or what it took forever it took 10 months Um, and not our fault not their fault it was the government um, putting out those PPP loans that filled up every banker's lap right so you know a new business starting up was not a priority anymore yeah yeah but Ours went fast. Ours was about a three-month thing. So that's like closing on a house. You know, it really yeah. wasn't too bad. Uh, as I got lucky with that, COVID hit in the middle of the deal. Yeah. And I was worried that it was going to either go away or that the price was going to raise. Because think about what we're doing. We're, we're making items to go in grocery stores. Yeah. Who's doing well right now? Grocery stores. <laughs> yeah, they are. So it, was a, it wasn't a, a bad business move. And, and I was really worried the previous owner was going to maybe say, hey, I think my business is worth now. More than it was yeah. when we made a deal, but he was, I got very lucky. He was very cool. Well, I'm, you know, I'm talking, we closed, finally closed on our deal a couple months ago. Oh, wow. That is very recent. You know, yeah. I want to say six months ago or whatever, maybe yeah. seven months ago. But the fact that it took that long, yeah, actually it was probably longer than that, but whatever. Um, the fact that it took that long, I was nervous as all hell that, oh, guess what? COVID's coming. All the brewers are shut down. Screw you guys. I'm out. Like, oh, fuck, we'd be so screwed. Your buyers were going to do that? Yeah, you you know, that was always that apprehensive uh, sitting there like, oh, we would have been fucked. 
Like, well, the thing is, at least a lot of times buyers tend to have emotions. Yeah, and they and they they've emotionally attached themselves at that point. Yeah, I mean the, the guys know? that bought it, Greg uh, and his wife Marlene. Uh, I actually met Marlene at a grocery store one time, which was funny. And then Greg and I used to chat a lot because he wanted to start a brewery. He he and Phil, the brewer, competed in that Livingston County um, craft brewing thing a bunch of years ago, and. I actually talked to to uh, Greg about like different places to go, and we, he, you know, he and I would bounce ideas off of each other. And then I called him one day, and I was like, "Hey, <laughs> I got a place for you if you're interested." <laughs> so and he was, and he was. So it that's, worked out. That's great when that phone call gets answered. We had uh, somebody else entertaining uh, purchasing, and we were working on a sale for that. But that was like four months. Um, that kind of got wasted, unfortunately. I so. was gonna. I wasn't sure to bring that up or not. Obviously, no names or anything. But right. uh, yeah, you had a place that was interested. Yeah, in, and they would have retained me as the brewer, which you know would have been cool, but it would have been hard as at the same point. So I'm kind of glad it went the way it went. Um, you know, I'm cheering these guys on. Hope they do a good job. Do you um, think that would have been hard to be the brewer and have zero ownership? Meaning, in other words, you still got to do the work. Now, it, the the idea of having decision making power is a is a good and a bad, right? Sure. So, like the bad is they could have made decisions that you would have had no say in and you would have been like, well, this sucks. But right. the good is you have none of the pressure. <laughs> and none of the pressure and I get a paycheck in the mail. Every and you get a paycheck so, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. That's one of the worst things about being a business owner. Oh, yeah. Is it ruined payday for me. Because yeah. payday used to be, <clears throat> for years, it was... Uh, money showed up in my bank account. That's Woo-hoo, it. That's what it, it is for 99% of Americans, right? Oh, yeah. Payday is money shows up in your bank account. Yep. Now, payday is money might show up in one bank account, but it went out of the other one. Yeah, exactly. It's just going from one to the other. For me now, it, it comes in. It, it's not every week. It's, you know, streaks and spurts. Like sometimes if I'm doing a big job, yeah. I get paid, uh, you know, work it out where I get paid weekly. Um, well, you're a gig worker now, right? Isn't that what they call that, gig worker? Yeah, you know, I'm doing contracting, so I framed a house this summer, so I got paid every week. Mm-hmm. Um, by the homeowner that I was framing for. And that was great. You know, every Friday you get paid. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I just finished a bathroom and it was two week went turnaround time and I just got paid this morning. Um, so there was two weeks of no pay, but I've also learned that you got to ebb and flow with that. Yeah. You know, you can't just cause that money came in doesn't mean you go spend it right, right away. Right. <laughs> so you're going to get some big splashes, but then you're also going to have your, your dry spells. Yeah. That's right? when you take the stack of hundreds and you throw them in the air and you're like dance around in it for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 So uh, I did that today, by the way. <laughs> so was it emotional? Like what was it? What was your last few moments inside Lost Borough like? Uh, so our last day that we were open, um, I was there. All the partners were there. I remember this, by and, the way, and I was so so upset that I didn't make and it. I, I'm so sorry I didn't make it. I burst into tears, and I said, this is Lost Burrow's last, last call. Oh. And I died. I just melted. Oh. And uh, that was hard. But it was really awesome to see you know all the people that knew what was going on coming in, the regulars. I made a ton of friends that I still talk with from there. Like, tomorrow I'm going ice fishing with one of them. Um, I actually performed his wedding this summer. Like I made some really good friends. Your brother-in-law worked for me. Yeah, uh, he loved it. It, it was it was fantastic. Uh, the community that's there is awesome. I'm grateful that I'm still in the beer community. Uh, you know, I'm working for Strange Bird on putting stuff together. Um, not brewing for them. I'm not an employee, uh, but I'm having a ton of fun. I, I you know I do stuff over at Three Heads. I do stuff at Knucklehead. Um, so have you become the go-to kind of in- beer industries go-to? Fix it guy slash build guy. Like, uh, I can't say the go to. Um, there's another guy in town that's doing a bunch of stuff as well, but I'm the person that kind of thinks outside the box. 
Yeah, um, if you own a brewery and something breaks, you're, you're a guy you can call. I mean, you know that For the shit. most part, yeah, you could call yeah, me, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm starting to get into sanitary stainless welding, which is a whole nother uh, realm of craziness. But uh, self-taught stainless sanitary welding is not the easiest thing to learn yourself. I don't even know what it means. Um, <laughs> I can weld it for your inside your pots or supply lines for your pots and it's perfectly smooth on the inside where you can't see hold on a second wait a minute hold on so like two pieces of 12 foot pipe i'm welding in the middle and it's got to be perfect on the inside yes what can i throw a scenario out and you sure. tell me if you can do it i bought two chart recorders do you know what i mean by that they are te- so it's a you mount something to the wall and then there's a probe and then the wire so picture this all right you, you mount this thing to the wall it's a box and then the wire kind of gets hidden or whatever you yeah. can do like you're like a raceway or something yeah yeah and and then it ends up in the kettle and it's connected to a probe that is constantly monitoring the temperature yeah so that it's being recorded so that you can go back and look every single second that that kettle was being the cooked. temperature probe is yeah. re- given a readout yeah it's given a readout and it records the whole kettle so you see the whole time what your yeah, temperature yeah, yeah, was. i gotcha yeah uh, do you know how to install that so you need a <laughs> and, you need a fitting well that on your, in yeah, your the kettle probe to, needs to go into the kettle and it needs to be able to be kind of like just permanently set there it yeah. needs to basically be welded in there yeah that's something i, I could look oh, at i might have you come out right. Man, like, <laughs> <laughs> i think that's, you might just got that's something I could look at. <laughs> okay all right all right if i can i know somebody that can um so uh strange bird let's get into talking about these guys a little bit this sounds like kind of an all-star team for breweries yeah so mika uh he's he was he's been around town for a while he lives in brighton uh actually just down the road from you here and um I met him, he was a consultant going around doing consulting for different breweries, trying to help product flow, workflows, uh, make people more efficient. Uh, at the time, I didn't have the funds and I didn't think I knew it all, but I was like, okay, we're doing pretty good where we're at. I don't really need to spend the money to bring to bring him in. Um, but he and I became friends. He's consulted other places and, and one day he came in, he's like, hey, Dan, I, he texted me. He's like, Dan, I want, I want you to build my glycol system at my brewery. And I'm like, all right. Um, no, <laughs> and cause I was still running my place and he's like, no, I really want you to do it. I'm like, no. <laughs> and it came around that he asked me a couple months later and I was like, all right, let me take a look at it just to see if I would be interested. And I was like, oh, this is huge. I, I this is too much. Like it's overwhelming. My glycol system in my place was short, easy to maintain and easy to run. And Mika's is, is like 600 feet of trunk line, which is a lot of pipe um, and then drops and a lot. It was a lot of intricacies uh, and a lot of stuff that I didn't know that I learned as I went. And I told him that, like, I'm going to learn some of this stuff as I go. All right, cool. So I did it. And uh, <laughs> he's got a fully functioning glycol system that Dude, keeps his beer cold. Fucking did it. Man. So yeah, temperature controlled, built control panels. So like yeah. you're talking about, a thermostat on the wall that doesn't read it out all the time, but it's opening and closing a valve so that that glycol jacket on the tank is keeping the beer fermenting at the right temperature. Well, you know why you got to have that damn thing reading out the whole time is because did, did your inspectors ever do the what if, what if, what if, what if? No. Okay. I get some what ifs from my inspectors. Oh, I'm which sure. Is the, our, our kettle has to never go below 195 during filling. Gotcha. So, you know, we take a temperature, we fill. We take a temperature again, we fill. We yeah. take a temperature again, we fill. You take the temperature at the beginning, the middle, and the end of the kettle. Well, what if? What if a quarter of the way through the kettle that dipped below 195 and you guys didn't know because you didn't take the temperature? Well, I don't know. What if? I don't know. Yeah, right. You know, like, okay. So then you got to go. So this is the other thing they don't realize. Inspectors 
cause you to go spend money because oh, of course they 600 do. bucks each those fucking Ugh, chart recorders that sucks so you gotta go spend money so that you can prove to them that oh now we do know that it never dipped below 195 yeah. instead of doing beginning middle and end of kettle and what if it did are you gonna dump the whole batch and by the way even if it went to 190 I shouldn't say this out loud yeah, <laughs> if don't. it went to 194 <laughs> you're gonna be fine my grandfather but it's only measuring me. it's only measuring so you gotta think about it though. it's only measuring in one spot Right. It's that, not measuring the entire kettle. So it's so funny you would say that. So it's point of measurement. Our so. food safety, uh, we have a food safety consultant yeah. who said exactly what you Did just said. Did you interview said. him a couple weeks ago? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah. He said the exact same thing you said. Because we said, well, we're fixing our problem now of the whole what if. What if a quarter of the way or three quarters of the way through yeah. the kettle. It's exactly what he said. He said the next thing they're going to say is, well, what if that portion of the kettle is hot and that other portion is exactly. not hot? Yeah, that's point of measurement. You can't, you're going to what if yourself to death, though. Yeah. What if an asteroid hits the building? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Like, come on. Yeah, I hear you uh, there. Sorry, anyway. This no, it's all good. Is, probably shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't put this podcast <laughs> <laughs> It's business. It's life. Mm-hmm. So Mika, uh, he's he's a local guy. Uh, well, he he married a local lady here, um, and his wife Dina went to school with Jeff Ching, uh, owners of Owl House and Swellburger, and now the new Pizza Wizard that's downtown. Um, he's part of this project, and I'm super excited for him. Um, is Pizza Wizard that Detroit? It thing? is. Yeah, right across from McCann's. That place is good, man. Yeah, yeah, I've been there a couple times. Yeah, I got. I was fortunate enough to have you know my hands in a few projects there too, which is yeah. cool. Oh, so. did you work in the back there a little? Uh, I just made them a big drink rail and some other things, mostly with welding that stuff. welding. With the yeah. welding, yeah. welding, yeah. welding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, these guys are great. Uh, and when then, do they open? Um, when Strange Bird? Yeah, they opened up. Uh, for can sales last weekend. So this is their second weekend of can sales. Um, And they've also got Eric Salazar, formerly of New Belgium, worked a short stint down at other half dude they have a legit uh, they got a great lineup freaking yeah team, he's man. really running the 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 wood side of things so the barrel room and whatnot yeah, so yeah. they got a they got a great team what are you uh so now that you're gone you're retired retired uh, <laughs> kind of retired from the beer industry yeah. but you know you're working like gig work now in the beer industry mm-hmm. uh the the question is how is it going to come out of covid the beer industry because here's maybe the maybe the the sort of the ugly part of this. Hold on a second. My wife is calling me over That's and right. over. Let me make sure. Yes, Ryan, you're on the podcast. Hey. Oh, hey. I'm home. Okay. Should I just park on the street? We're, uh, yes, we're finishing. We've got like less than 10 minutes to go in the podcast. All right. Then I'll just, instead of parking on the street, I'll just keep driving. I'll come home in 10 minutes. Okay. Love you. Bye. Oh, I'm fucked. Uh-oh. <laughs> She's just <laughs> driving around waiting for us to be done podcasting. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, so uh, last thing, uh, how's probably, the brewing, how the brewers, how's the brewing world going to come out of COVID? Yeah, but hold on, I want to preface it with something. Okay, I think that there's probably it's probably not that bad of a. Uh, it was a very poorly kept secret that it was becoming saturated. I think prior to COVID, right? A bit, um, and, but and there's there, always room for more. There, well, right. There, there is always room for more. But hold on a second, though. Somebody's going to do it. This is the. Th- I always called restaurant fools gold because. There is a restaurant that does not exist yet in Rochester that you and I have not heard of because the owner of that restaurant hasn't even thought of it yet. Right. And it will be a major success. Sure. Okay. Something. So it's possible. Same thing with breweries. It's possible for somebody who hasn't even thought of it yet 
to go start a brewery and probably be successful, right? Yeah. They just need a whole bunch of shit to go their way, right? It, I mean... We need a whole bunch of logger lovers, people that come <laughs> out with just plain old loggers and people that support the logger world. <laughs> I'm the same brewery geek that always... Every brewery's like, oh, I love my loggers. I want loggers. Guess what? I drink a lot of loggers. I drink a lot of Pilsners. Yeah. I don't drink a lot of IPAs, but they're yeah. the huge seller, so... What uh, tell me about the brewery industry kind of before? Am I right or am I way off base? A and B coming out of COVID, which was sort of like an industry that, while strong in general, right, selling a shit ton of beer, people yeah. love craft beer. It's still down. There's but. a lot of lot of entrepreneurs out there all vying for that same dollar. That, yeah, that, that two beers that I might be able to go out for tonight. I got a lot of options, right? So going into COVID, um, there was the big scene of all these fruited sours, like heavily fruited sours. You see them on Instagram and whatnot where they're like, it's like pouring naked juice out of a glass and it's got alcohol in it. Is that beer? I don't know. Uh, I'm not a big fan of those styles. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. But, uh, you know, those are those are quite popular. Um What's the next thing? I don't know. Again, if it was, if I knew, I'd do it. Um, right. And how are how are the breweries going to come out of this? It's going to be a struggle because uh, people are still going to be hesitant to go um, out and drink and out and party and out and hang out and going back into tap rooms. Uh, tap rooms. Every tap room that I know in town here is super diligent about cleanliness. They have small staff, keeping on top of things. Um, I would feel safe drinking in all the breweries around here versus going to half the restaurants. Right. Um, nothing against the restaurants. It's just breweries, brewers are janitors. <laughs> we clean, <laughs> we, well, me, we, I used to. Um, they clean more than they do anything. Yeah. And guess what? They can translate that to cleaning the front of the house. Right. And that front of the house, I guarantee you, on most breweries, almost every brewery is cleaner than probably any restaurant's front end. Right. Um, right. So that's hopefully everybody comes through yeah um i mean i feel if uh, if people are going to go away they would have already gone away with the pinches yeah at the beginning of covid there was like these words that you know and there have been some people have gone out of business restaurant business wise but at the beginning of covid there was this sentiment that it was like okay this is really just gonna kind of stop the this is gonna speed up the inevitable for some places yeah there was a ton of that yeah there was a ton of that it didn't happen so much no. though yeah i mean we saw a few restaurants go out of business but guess what happens every year that anywhere? will happen anywhere yes yeah. a bunch of restaurants go out of business every year anyway anything comes anything goes 100 and i didn't see the big oh everybody's gonna be closing i didn't see that it really didn't happen a lot no. of you know people people are struggling people are getting laid off and i think people are not as as certain as they used to be maybe about their futures for sure but but they're they're sticking around you know there's a resiliency and i think people and and we can maybe end on this because i think because you're an entrepreneur i'm an entrepreneur and i fucking love entrepreneurs i i love it too because they are resilient so i went from being a teacher to running a brewery to now I do construction work for myself. Yeah. Um, I've got work booked out months, which yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I'm grateful for it. I'm, I don't look at it like a gift horse in the mouth. I am super, super grateful to have it. And, and, but here, here's the point that I was getting ready to make was entrepreneurs do not, we do not ball up in a corner and die. No. It doesn't happen. No. You, true, you entrepreneur, true entrepreneurs don't. There's some that are like, ah, I, I, I do it. 
you can kind of see them from the beginning that they're not really all in it. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. And there are cases where maybe on paper it looks like they did that, but really they just kind of pivoted to something sure. else. But and that's a lot of what it is. Yeah. All right. I think my wife just made the announcement that Alrighty. we're done because she just <laughs> here she comes. Here she comes. All right. Well, good chatting with you. Good chatting with you too, man. Very good. You got it. Final cheer. One final cheers. Cheers. Yeah. All right, Dan See Western. Ya.